Welcome to the Peaceful Power Podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Clausen, and today I have Dr. Shivani Gupta on with us. She's an Ayurvedic practitioner, an expert in fusing Eastern and Western practices that help our bodies achieve equilibrium. She completed her master's in Ayurvedic sciences and her PhD on turmeric, which we're going to dive into a little bit later today, and her supplement company. So I'm really excited to have you on today. Um, and I want to kind of start with Ayurveda and how it came into your life. Cause I find everyone has their own unique story, um, of how it got introduced. For sure. So growing up, thank you for having me. Um, I grew up in Houston, Texas from an, you know, first time immigrant family and my family moved here trying to hold their culture in place while putting us into school, trying to keep us speaking Hindi and doing all the things. It's like that typical immigrant story, trying to build that American dream. And so I remember growing up, they worked so hard. They put us through the best schools and every year we'd go back to India to see our family. And so we'd fly into New Delhi and it was all new smells, new taste, new everything. But I got used to going to India and that being my second home every summer. And it was to see their parents, their grandparents, you know, their grandparents, their cousins, my cousins and all. And so what's interesting was as I grew up, I felt like I had no immune system. Like everyone else when they traveled could just eat what they wanted and do what they wanted. And me, I would go down so hard. And this happened year after year on any trip. I was like the car sick, air sick, seasick, everything sick kid. And finally, by the time I hit high school, I was like, what is wrong with me? Like, am I default? Like, am I faulty? Like, did I get born wrong? Like, what's wrong? And I also simultaneously noticed that my parents' parents, my grandparents, kept suffering from very advanced stages of diabetes. And the punishment to that was huge. So I kind of was watching this and I was like, well, first of all, I have an immune system that doesn't work. And second of all, I have this family history unfolding in front of me. And every time I went to India, someone would pass away of the advanced stages of diabetes. And I was like, oh, this is pretty horrible. I'm already made of a not great template. And what's coming is going to be far worse. And so that really set me on the path of I need to figure out my own health. I need to find a new way. Um, this chronic antibiotic use that my pediatrician is giving me isn't really the system that's working for me. And so one time in India, we were sitting in this office with this Dr. Gupta and he's like, oh, typical stomach virus. Here's like antibiotics and 12 other drugs. And I finally said, no, no, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm going to die, but we're not going to do this. I need to go find another way. And that set me on my journey. I went traveling through India. I met with every Ayurvedic guru. I went to every Ayurvedic center. I immersed. I kind of wanted to know, is this science valid? Does this work? And I experimented on myself and I found it to be ridiculously effective and amazing. And I was like, okay, this is my journey. I have to share this with the world. Huh. Wow. Um, so I would love to kind of, uh, go deeper there. Like what ages was this happening? Was this like, as you were in your late teens, early twenties, and that's when you started to kind of really go down that path. And then what are some of the things that maybe made the biggest differences for you? Cause I know a lot of people listening might be like, I'm on that antibiotic path, or I've had kids who are just constantly getting antibiotics. How do I get them off that? Yeah, no, it's true. So it was my freshman year in college that I was in India and I was so sick that I met that Dr. Gupta and I said, Nope, we're fine. We're finding a new path forward. And then on that trip, I shared with my parents, I need to explore detoxing and Ayurveda. And my parents by that time were very successful entrepreneurs, but pretty close to burnt out. They were exhausted. And my mom's diabetes was pretty unmanaged by that point. She had been insulin dependent for 
I, I was 21. So about 21 years or 15 years in that point, my father was having high cholesterol. So they both kind of looked at me and they were like, going to beautiful spas and detoxing. That's a great idea. We we support this endeavor. And so I pulled out a book called the hundred best spas in the world. And I said, we have to go to all of them. And my parents <laughs> indulged me. Can you imagine? So we went to like the Grand Wailea Kauai. We went to Ananda in Rishikesh. We went to Raj Villas in Jaipur, like everywhere. We went to Santalan Spa in Pune. We went to, you know, South India as well. Like we just traveled and it was awesome. And I have a very like analytical research mind. So I was just soaking it up. Like, what does it take? And so I told my father in 10th, in sophomore year of college, I want to open a health spa and I'm going to change the world. And if everyone just came to my spa, I would fix them like I fixed me. And then we'd have an epic world. And they were like, sure, we support this. Write a business plan. Go ahead. Um, and so I went to the business plan competition at school. I learned about social entrepreneurship. And I was like formulating in my brain, like, how do you create businesses that change the world, that impact, but then are profitable enough that people let you do what you want to do? Like, where's that mixture? Um, and so as I traveled through India, my biggest insight was Ayurveda is beautiful. It's amazing. It's effective. It's a very deep ancient science and system of medicine, but it's kind of gross sometimes. And it's kind of like too detailed. Like it's, it's a lot to do. And so when I was going through even a uh, Jindal Naturopathy Institute in Bangalore, which is a great place to detox, I kept thinking like, how do I simplify this? What are the golden nuggets that a mom or a woman would need for her to apply it. So I knew one day by that point, by that point, I was like closer to 30. I was like, okay, well, I'm still on this journey, but I'm ready to have kids. What does it take to have an Ayurvedic pregnancy? So I ended up writing in my master's an Ayurvedic pregnancy book because I was so passionate on Ayurveda and pregnancy. And that's called the conscious pregnancy. And I studied in depth, like, what does it take for a woman and to show up to pregnancy so healthy, so fertile, so ready to go? And then what does it take for us as women to not only carry a beautiful, healthy baby, but afterwards maintain them? And I'm a mom, so I'm still on that discovery journey. But I push very hard for my kids to align to their circadian rhythm, eat a healthy, nutritious diet, get nutrient variety, nutrient density, build a gut microbiome that's diverse. Like they fight with me and I keep telling them, look, I'm, I'm serving you for your entire life. Just let me do this work with you. Oh, so, wow. What a journey. And how amazing are your parents like to do that? That is to have the wherewithal, like, Hey, here's your business plan. Let's do it. Let's go to these spas. That, that is so amazing. Um, yeah. with those spas, was that kind of like your panchakarma is what you did at all of them? Yes, I did Panchakarma in Rishikesh. I did it in Bangalore. I did it, some of it at Santalan. Um, you know, Panchakarma to me is such, is the most amazing, profound detox we can do to the body. I wish we all had the means and time to do it annually. Even if we do it every few years, I think that's fine. My modern interpretation of the Panchakarma detox is for us to do it a week at a time in between seasons. And we don't even have to go somewhere. As moms, I do not usually get a week where I can say, babe, peace. I'm sure you've got these kids. Enjoy doing everything I do. I'm going to go detox. So I, I really teach people how to detox at home, how to do it in sympathy with our lives and our schedule. Like It has to work. And I'm more about compliance than perfection. 
I love that. And I think that's a great thread to kind of pull down is, you know, biohacking. And I feel like biohacking is a word that probably in the last few years has really become popular. And when I'm looking at some of the biohacking tools, I'm like, some of this originated in Ayurveda. I'm like, this is where it came from. So can you kind of speak to uh, some of those maybe biohacking tools that maybe people are already doing and they didn't realize are Ayurvedic in nature? And then maybe other, you know, biohacking tools that Ayurveda would you would recommend that might be easy for your on-the-go mom? Sure. So biohacking, I find fascinating because I went to Dave Asprey's biohacking conference last year in Holly, in I think Hollywood and LA. And um, a lot of the people there were just continuing on their journey because they had already been into anti-aging and longevity. So I met a lot of people in their like 70 to 80 year old range who were like, yeah, this is just the same thing, but new interpretation. And I thought that was funny because I was like, well, we as humans have always wanted to understand our bodies, our health, how to gain quality of life over a longer period of time. And so when you look at the biohacking world, all of a sudden in biohacking, they're taking all these very modern tools and they're saying, okay, we want to develop modern scientific technologies that help you age slower or age better. And Ayurveda already had all that technology built into it 5,000 years ago. And so I go to the biohacking conferences because I love them. And I think there's so much fun looking at the tools we can use to shortcut or make things easier. But I always do it through the lens of Well, in Ayurveda, how would we approach that? And a lot of what Ayurveda would tell you is, please get outside and put your feet in the grass, period. Align to your circadian rhythm, period. And then you don't need quite so many $5,000 technologies. Like I want to create a biohacking room that costs 25 grand with a plunge and a sauna and a this and a that and a fun. But I also realized that I could spend an hour that way or... I could do my Ayurvedic Dinacharya self-care rituals that involve simple things that cost $5. And Ayurveda said, said and taught us, these are the things that work, just do them. And so I'm I'm always watching the two worlds and, and I'm very shiny ball syndrome. I get excited about new things. And then I just take a pause and look at it and say, will you do it? Will you do it regularly? Is it just something you're getting excited about that you're going to stick in a corner and then never use like my Peloton that I got excited about that I never use? Like, is it going to be a tech equipment that just holds dense energy that you're not going to use? Mm -hmm. And so I instead would rather that people biohack by focusing on a copper tongue scraper, simple technology, but it really works. And that scraper I've had has lasted me 20 years now. I haven't had to change it. It's a piece of metal self-washes every day with me in the sink. So a tongue scraper is so powerful. Oil pulling, buying a food grade organic oil and putting it in our home. It can do 500 things. It can do not just oil pulling. It's for a young massage. It's for, for every aspect of us, every inch of our body, really, including our hair health. Um, then you've got all the different herbs and spices from Ayurveda. There's so much potent magic there. But I like to share with people, look, you want a superfood. You're talking about nutrient density and a lot of supplements. I'm a big fan of supplements. I own a supplement company. I built an Ayurvedic supplement company. But first comes food. First comes sleep. First comes time in nature. So really the self-care tools out of Ayurveda show us how to live in a rhythm. And that rhythm builds you vibrant health. And then if you want to add a biohacking tool on top, like I would probably, my next tool I would want to have is an infrared sauna bed or box. I do think there's power in detoxing the body every single day. 
And I think there's power in doing it quickly because as moms, if, I, if I've got 30 minutes and I can be coordinating my carpool and in an infrared box and, and I get multiple self-care with time management in one, that makes me really happy. Um, but I don't want to build a life where I'm using 50 technology tools and forgetting that nature is the mm. ultimate healer. Mm. I think that's a great point because I think a lot of us with all of those biohacking tools, as you said, nature is sometimes forgotten or easily forgotten because we have all of the the things. And I'm like, as you said, something sit in your corner. I'm like, yeah, I bought one of the prana mats and I've used it like twice <laughs> and it's sitting in the corner in my living room staring at me, like use me, but with a little, little guy, I'm like, I can't leave that out. So it's not easy to just use, you know? And so I'm sure we've all had those things where like, this is going to be the biohacking tool that gets me through when really for myself, nature is my favorite way. Cause it's easy. And I can bring my boys outside and it's a whole family affair. So sometimes, you know, depending on your stage of life, what's going to be the easiest for you. And often it can be something that you doesn't require buying anything. It just Hey, let's go outside or, you know, even Abhinyanga, like go to the grocery store, grab some oil and there you go. So with the biohacking, you know, trends, is there anything that you're seeing emerging right now? Maybe that's kind of intriguing you. You know, I am seeing a lot of people go for this cold plunge idea and I'm going to try it. I've been a chicken about it to date, but I'm going to try it. Um, but in my mind and my being, I can't imagine that freezing the body like that and putting such a shock on the system can be good for all of us. Like my, my, my brain hasn't sifted through, but a lot of times I'm processing data through all my brain files. And I'm like, this, this can't be good for every dosha. Like, how could it be beneficial for every vata and every guffa? Us bithas, sure. We can do a lot of high impact things towards the body. And I can, I can abuse my body and I can do crazy things to my body and it's fun. But if you're a vata, wouldn't it throw you off? And if you're a guffa, could it drop you into coldness? Like I, these are the things I sit and ponder about a lot when I look at the biohacking tools. Hyperbaric chamber looks amazing. Looks like it could heal all of us and do great things. But is it truly meant for everybody? So I think it's really about personalization. That's where I find an Ayurvedic lifestyle coach or anyone who can guide you on the journey is a very powerful support system because just because it's available and awesome doesn't mean it's awesome for you. Mm. So that would be my answer is I, I go to the conferences and I see so much like the skincare. Fine. I think they, they do a lot. I'm testing a biohacking skincare line and I really like it. It's called young goose and it's, it's got like a lot of modern tech ingredients in it. It also has ashwagandha. So people are fusing their modern tech, like NAD and these things work with our ancient. And, and I love the fusion of that because I'm all about it. I, I went to India and I pulled the best of Ayurveda. And then I said, well, curcumin, the modern ingredient also works. I, I pull the two worlds together and constantly test what works. So that's kind of my interplay. But I think with biohacking, where I think it goes too far is, hey, hook yourself up to this machine and you did your workout in 15 minutes and you're done and you don't have to work out for days and it built your muscles. <laughs> I'm like, that's a little bit of an, that can't possibly be good. Like, I think I do need to go to the gym, pick up a weight. I need to walk in nature. Yoga, by the way, can build all the small muscle groups and big muscle groups in a great way. So it's like that re-honoring of ancient instead of that addiction to future tech can give us that health that we want. That's funny that you talked about cold plunges. I did uh, probably 
over the winter, because since here in Minnesota, I know people who jump into a lake and again, we are cold here in the winter and people jump right in. And so I did the research. I went to the Ayurvedic text and I was kind of pulling, what do they say? And that was kind of my conclusion too. Like it depends. It's often the answer in Ayurveda, which can drive people nuts, but it's true because as you said, I'm a Pitta as well. Like we might be fine with that, but the Vata's not so great. And for me, like coming off being postpartum, I'm still in the Vata stage of life. So this whole first year I'm honoring that Vata more so than the Pitta. So wouldn't recommend early postpartum diving into a cold lake, you know, so little things like that, where we have to take into account some of the biohacking trends and tips might not be ideal for everyone. And I think that's where Ayurveda can really help steer people in the right direction of, is this right for me at this stage of my life? You know, maybe in 10 years it is, but maybe not right now. I agree. I totally agree. One thing that you have talked about is that circadian rhythm. And I think, you know, if people are new to that, maybe let's kind of take a step back and describe what is circadian rhythm and how can we maybe align ourselves to living with the circadian rhythm? Sure. I'm building a whole ebook and guidebook on this topic right now because I'm obsessed with circadian rhythm. That guidebook should be live soon, very soon, actually. Or by the time this podcast launches, it'll be live. Um, But circadian rhythm is chronobiology. It's the concept of our cells are living in rhythm with nature. And nature is the force that's guiding our bodies and our health, whether we want to acknowledge it or not. And so many people who I meet say, I'm a night owl. I get my best work done from like midnight to four, midnight to two. And I always tell them, look, that's just you leveraging Pitta energy and pushing through. But that's not actually good for you. Nature, if you watch all of nature outside of us, nature sleeps when the sun sets. Nature rises with the sun. You can hear the birds chirping if you wake up at sunrise. And if we are willing to align our rhythm and schedule to nature schedule, what we will see is our health is easier, our mindset, everything about our bodies and our body's health falls into place much more easily because we're going with the flow as opposed to fighting uphill against it. And so, yes, certainly can we push against it all the time? Yes. And people are doing that a lot. They're like, I take new nootropics. I can push through the whole night and, and supercharge my body to win at things. Yes. But at what cost? I think we're learning so much about the gut brain axis, the gut microbiome, We're learning that our gut microbiome dictates all of our health, which Ayurveda already said that 5,000 years ago. We're learning that our our adrenals can burn out. We have a hormone endocrine system that must be calibrated too. We can't just fight against it our whole lives and then expect great results. And so a lot of times when I interact with people, I'm seeing that they are inflamed. They have all the autoimmune conditions. They are completely burnt out and have scraped the bottom of the barrel and have nothing left energy-wise for their goals and their dreams. And so that's where I like to show people that, look, circadian rhythm just shows you to build a rhythm. And Ayurveda, according to your dosha, is already going to tell you to build a schedule and rhythm into your life anyways. So honoring and listening to Ayurveda and its lifestyle practices is just you remembering, wake up with sunrise, have some beautiful self-care practices first thing in the morning. If you can please go outside and let the sun kiss your skin. Sounds easier said than done. As a mom, a lot of times I wake up and I am just running. And the sunlight I get is through the car windshield. I'm like, <laughs> I, never, I never went outside. So that's like a funny habit. But what I do, I drop the kids and I immediately go for a walk. 
15 minutes, I walk in the sunlight, whether it's on the phone. A lot of times I'm on a phone call with a friend catching up, whatever I'm doing, I will make sure I'm in the sunlight and just tuning into, wow, nature is beautiful, especially at certain seasons. So tuning into our seasons is a part of circadian rhythm, tuning into the moon cycles, tuning into the day cycles, the night cycles, all of that comes together under this umbrella of circadian rhythm. And then understanding when to eat, how to eat, all of these things come together and build you a rhythm that's so strong that then you have the energy and the mindset and the focus to do what you want. Like I can honestly tell you that the more I practice Ayurveda, the more I'm able to accomplish like superwoman level work and accomplishments in my life that even shock me. A lot of times I'm like, where are you pulling this all out of? But I'm literally processing my next speech at the gym. I'm processing my next day or previous day in my sleep. Like you're, you're almost like moving through life at a, a beautiful, vibrant pace and dimension above what you were capable of before. Yes. I I can totally relate to that uh, myself as well. And, you know, you're speaking my language with seasons and lunar cycle. I mean, this is stuff that I love dearly and, you know, see the benefits and have personally seen the benefits. And one thing that you had mentioned too, is, you know, kind of eating with the, when the sun is up and I would love for you to kind of pull that thread a little because intermittent fasting, especially the last few years, um, circadian fasting, I had a sleep expert come on and talked about that and which is probably more in a line, I think with Ayurveda than the intermittent fasting. And again, it depends. And I had a teacher when I first started learning Ayurveda now, like 10 years ago, someone had said, oh, that's called intermittent fasting. What she was describing. She goes, what do you, what do you mean? What is intermittent fasting? And she's like, oh, that's just what Ayurveda has been saying. So can you speak to like the way that, you know, Ayurveda suggests to eat throughout the day? Yeah, you know, Ayurveda teaches a middle ground, which I really love. Ayurveda doesn't say, hey, uh, why don't you push your body and your hormones and your adrenals and your whole system to somehow magically survive on four hours of food? Because that's what we used to do as ancient cavemen. Especially as a female. Especially as a female. I'm like, maybe the caveman who went hunting for his family sometimes had to survive on absolutely no food until a four hour window. But those women, that's likely not how they lived. Because if you were managing kids, I assure you, you were not eating within a four hour window, most likely. That's not at least healthy. It's not ideal. So I I laugh sometimes when I see so many people pull stuff and say, well, cavemen did it and thus it's good for us. Yes. Have we evolved to be a society that's horribly unhealthy and has horrible practices around food? Certainly. Absolutely. The level of processed food, fast food, everything is is to our detriment. It's causing that chronic low-grade persistent inflammation and all the problems. But intermittent fasting, I think, has to be done in a way that's sympathetic to our cycles. So speaking to women, because that's mainly who's your listener, um, I love an author named Mindy Pels. She has a book called Fast Like a Girl. Um, I've been interacting with her a lot. I'm going to be on her podcast soon. But she talks about how to honor your fast according to your cycle. Mm -hmm. Because let's say you're in the middle of it. Let's say you're at the tail end. Like how you treat yourself should change. And that's a complexity, I know. But if we can learn how to simply honor it, I think that that's good. Um, I look at Ayurveda and say, okay. Ayurveda wanted us to honor sleep big time. And I teach a lot about sleep. I'm obsessed with sleep. So if I know I want to be asleep by 10 o'clock every night, 
an hour before I need to release all work and all tasks and switch into self-care or relaxation mode. Fine. I do that with books and whatever. Two hours before that, be done with like house chores, everything else. But three hours before that, be done with dinner. So seven o'clock dinner's done. By eight o'clock, wrap up work and stuff that's come up and homework with the kids. By nine o'clock, finish up everything else and really start that wind down. So it's really like a one, two, three hour is kind of that winding down towards. Um, So if you stopped eating at seven, likely you don't need to wake up anytime. Most people will wake up around five or six, depending on their own schedule. If you sleep at 10, Uh, for me, I sleep at 10. I wake up at six, six 30. And then right at seven, I'm just getting the kids ready to school. I don't need to eat anything at that time. I'll usually have my first cup of green tea. So some people, that's your moment to decide, are you an intermittent faster or not? Mm -hmm. Do you need a snack or not? And I really time that based on what's happening. If I'm going to go do a weightlifting workout, I'm going to eat. Why? Because I want to power my body. I want to give it fuel. I don't want to walk in starving and then assume my body has what it needs. So today I had tea and toast before my workout. Or if I've got nothing that day, I'm just going to go straight to work. Then I can probably hold a fast till about 10. The minute it's 10 o'clock, I'm hungry. Mm -hmm. And so that was a big decision I had to sit down and make. I tried intermittent fasting, pushing till 11, pushing till 12, but it felt like torture. And I was like, well, what am I trying to accomplish here? (laughs) Am I trying to starve and, and achieve a weight loss goal? Am I trying to like fuel my brain and body to have the best result for the day. So for me, I drop my kids to school and I want a productive day. And then I want to cut that day by three thirty four. I like to have high tea and a snack and then transition. So my rhythm is 10 o'clock. I usually eat something light breakfast, nutritious with protein lunch in Ayurveda. We teach eat when the sun is highest 12 to two or 10 to two, but 12 is when the sun is highest. So right around 12, 12 30, I have my biggest appetite I eat a nutrient-dense meal, usually with salad, because I know I've got that bit that support in my body to absorb the nutrition nutrition out of that meal. And I pay attention to my food combination so I don't make myself ill. And according to Ayurveda, we don't drink water 30 minutes before or after a meal. So I hydrate outside of my meals. I won't even have my tea cup, my cups of tea around my mealtime. And then around three, I'm hungry. I want a 3, 3.30 snack. And as a mom, I found that if I eat then, I am so much more supported to be a nice mom. And if I don't eat, then not so supported. So I really try to eat like tzatziki and gluten-free crackers or something that's like satiating, has an unctuousness to it. It is satisfying at that 3.30, 4 o'clock slot before I enter the evening. And I try to make sure I cut that dinner by seven. So I'm supported to have sleep be what it's supposed to be which is rejuvenating and detoxing as opposed to just digesting that late night meal. I think one thing, if people are listening, like that was a very scheduled routine and that's something that Ayurveda suggests. And I feel like a lot of us are sometimes, well, I was just visiting my family and you never know what we're going to eat. Like it's just all over the place. And I have such a tough time with that now because I also usually eat on routine and if we're eating dinner, which sometimes with my family, cause they're farmers, it could be eight o'clock at night. It could be nine o'clock at night, which just, that's way too late. Cause I try to go to bed by nine most nights. And so it's really hard for me to sleep then because I find digestion is still trying to happen and I'm trying to rest. And that's something that uh, I feel like if anyone, you know, sticks to a routine and then goes against it, you can easily feel the difference if you are eating later at night. 
And the same thing for lunch. If I skip, cause that pizza, that, that hanger is real. And then I'm like, nope, I need to eat. Like it is two o'clock mom. My mom could just, cause she's more Catholic in nature. So she can just be like two meals a day. She's fine. And I'm like, I need my food. <laughs> I'm going to lash out. So that is also, uh, I think a great lesson. And, you know, what you were sharing about here are the times you eat and the reasons why, and everyone will find their own balance within that. But I'm sure most people are going to find the earlier they eat at night, the better they're going to feel when they're sleeping. Correct. Absolutely. It makes a huge difference. It's like probably one of the biggest game changers. So does that mean we can't eat out and have fun? No, we can. But when we do, I find the punishment sometimes is so great that I'm like, I'm not doing that again. But at least twice a month, it'll be like dinner, drinks, fun, all the things. But we have more control over our schedule than we think. So I move all my friends' birthdays into like the six o'clock slot. I'm like, we're moms. Why do we need to party at nine till 11, guys? Why can't this dinner be at six? Enjoy that dinner. Process that dinner. Whatever you're drinking, you're done by 8, 8.30. At least you have the time <laughs> to go to bed on time. Because we all know that the price we pay for not sleeping is we're really unhappy moms the next day to our kids, to everyone in our households. And so I really try to angle things that way. If I have a business lunch, I make it at an organic or gluten-free supportive healthy restaurant. So I think we we have this opportunity to design our lives a certain way. I think of it as life design. So if something's bothering me in my life, I'm like, no, no, no. How do I fix that to be more aligned to what supports me in my health? And then I'm my most vibrant self. I think this is a great kind of segue to talk about, you know, kind of your supplement line and turmeric and maybe touching on inflammation in general. Cause I think that is something my parents actually just brought up. Cause one of their friends said he is very inflamed. And so I'm like, Oh, Ayurveda is perfect for him. You know, and again, he's a farmer in his, I think late seventies. So there's probably no way he was going to listen to anything I suggested, but I was telling my parents, I'm like, Hey, maybe you could suggest, you know, X, Y, Z, and to tell my dad to see if that would land for him. So what are some ways if people are thinking, Hey, I I might be heavily inflamed. What can I be doing? Should I be taking turmeric? Should I be taking supplements or do I need to be changing my diet? You know, I think there's multiple approaches. There's much, many roads that lead us to Oz or to the, where we want to go. And, um, when it comes to inflammation, what I wish people understood is Chronic low-grade persistent inflammation starts with gut dysbiosis. It starts with any huge stressful act in our lives. It starts could start with a virus, could start with environmental toxins accumulating. There's a lot of reasons why inflammation gets kicked off. And so one of my advisors during my PhD was like, look, a lot of times in our 20s, through horrible sleep habits and stresses and breakups and career changes, we kick off inflammation and inflammation's pathways in our body. And then we never shut it off. We go through our thirties, our forties, our fifties, and all of a sudden each decade comes and we start to feel things more. So in our thirties, we're like, Oh, I can't party anymore. Oh, I get tired now. Oh, I just want to stay home at night in our forties, yet another shift. Wow. Really slowing down, shifting with the body 50, 60. So I hear these complaints all the time. And I tell people, look, that's inflammation. That's inflammation making you feel like you are aging. Mm -hmm. But if you weren't inflamed, you would not feel as old, tired, creaky joint pains and symptoms in the body as you did when you were younger. So that's my mission is to show everyone, look, 
reduce your inflammation significantly, do the work, and then you let me know how old you feel in your body. Because to me, I'm 42. I feel phenomenal. Like (laughs) 90% of the time, I would say I feel like a 30-year-old. I I don't even remember what 30 felt like, but I feel younger by at least a decade. And then I would say a good 10%. I'm like, dang it, my sleep was crap or my, I, I had wine or whatever the thing is. I had too much dairy, like whatever throws the system off. Um, but when it comes to inflammation, my first line of healing inflammation in the body is turmeric because I did a PhD on it. I'm obsessed with it. It is one of the most powerful spices from the Ayurveda toolkit. What people don't know about turmeric is out of the entire turmeric plant, only 3% of it is the curcuminoids. And out of those 3% curcuminoids, only the one curcumin is the most effective at reducing inflammation in the body. And so when you go out there and buy a turmeric supplement, which I used to do, at, you know, the big box retailer down the street or the health food store, if you don't have a very big understanding of labels, you will buy regular turmeric powder. A lot of the labels just say curcuma longa. That's the plant name. That's regular turmeric, which we could buy for $3 a bag at the Indian grocery store. And so it, it annoys me so much when I finally looked at all the labels or they're giving you all three curcuminoids at 500 milligrams. It's still not enough. So once I finished my studies, I was like, okay, Can I create a curcumin that's so potent that I can prove to all of Western medicine that Ayurvedic wisdom is so right and so awesome, and they can rely on Ayurveda to replace the painkillers in their medical practices. Mm -hmm. And instead of giving us all the side effects of NSAIDs, we can reduce our pain without the side effects. Mm -hmm. So that was my theory about eight years ago. And I just went out there to prove it. And I, I actually didn't think about a business model or how I was going to make all the numbers work, but I just knew that if I proved my point, I would one day win at my idea. And so that's what I did. And it's been a wild journey because I call on orthopedics, rheumatology, primary care, functional medicine, and people who have chronic joint pain, all of them rely on these formulas and then they don't have to take NSAIDs, or they don't have to take as many of the painkillers and things that they're going to take. And we've been able to cut opioid use in half out of practices. So, so that's my mission. And then once we won at inflammation, I went for sleep because I was like, well, I have to give people better sleep, deeper sleep. If I fix their sleep, they'll be less inflamed. And then I go from there. I just, I play with the Ayurvedic herbs to find how do I fuse East and West finding the most potent version I can of that ingredient producing in the U.S. And so when it comes to inflammation, I always go turmeric first because it'll get you the result. Now, I want everyone to learn how to maintain that result through all the lifestyle practices. So my second conversation is always, okay, you don't want to take a pill for a problem for your whole life, right? Okay, so let's adjust that diet. What are the top five inflammatory foods? Gluten, dairy, sugar, red meat, alcohol are some of the top five. A lot of people tell me, I am not giving those up. You are crazy if you think I'm going to give up my meat, my alcohol, my sugar, and my dairy, and my bread. Like, please, just stop. And I'll say, look, it's not a giving up. It's a reducing. It's where, which one is the most problematic for you? For me, gluten is a real problem. I had to get rid of it but I do eat pizza and I eat tacos and I eat nachos. So I have found the replacements for me that work. Um, And so I really like to guide on anti-inflammatory diet, gut healing practices, circadian rhythm, sleep, all the Ayurveda tools, because we have the toolkit for inflammation, but sometimes you have to get it simmered down a couple notches. So you're out of like the fire zone of forest fire level, simmer it down to like smoldering. 
And then let's talk about shifts that you're willing to make. Love that. And I know you have a seven day inflammation detox challenge. Can you tell the listeners about that in case they're interested in grabbing that? Sure. Yes. I made that challenge because again, I wanted to simplify it. I wanted to make it easy. And you know, I, yes, of course I have this amazing supplement company. It's awesome. But if the world doesn't understand that we must make the lifestyle shifts and do it easily and build it into our lives, then we're not going to win. So on my website, I have a dosha quiz on my website. I have the seven day inflammation challenge and you get a video every day and you get put in the Facebook group and we all encourage each other to just each day reduce that inflammation with simple habits. And sometimes when when I hit the new year, I just do that challenge two or three times in a row because it is like a gentle Ayurvedic detox. It's putting each practice in place. Mm, I like that, especially as this is airing. That's a perfect time for people that might be thinking, hey, I want to do something, but I don't know what to do. That would be a great one because I would say 99% of us could always be reducing inflammation of the body. Exactly. Well, I would love to know um, if people are listening, where can they find your supplement line and where can they connect with you? Sure. So my website is fusionaryformulas.com, F-U-S-I-O-N-A-R-Y. We made a special code for you. Andrea15 will give your listeners 15% off on their first order. And then at shivanigupta.com, S-H-I-V-A-N-I-G-U-P-T-A, they can get my seven-day inflammation challenge. I have some inflammation guides and a cookbook, all sorts of fun stuff there. Love it. And you have a great website. I was looking at that and I was like, oh, this is very easy to use and maneuver. So yes, I highly recommend checking it out. I forgot. I have Instagram at dr.shamanigupta. I teach a lot there because I love teaching. And then I have a podcast, Fusionary Health Podcast. Perfect. And I'll put all of that in the show notes in case people are wondering. And I just have one final question for you. I always like to finish with a weekly challenge. And then when I have a guest, I have you throw out the challenge to everyone who's listening. So what would you like that challenge to be this week? I would love everyone to build a habit called tea time is me time. As a mom, I need my habits and rituals to be fixed. And so I've tied them all to tea because if left to my own devices, I'll just run through my day being inundated with phone and text and email and all the things and forget about me. So I have built a rhythm that seven, 10, three, you know, in the evening, I have these cups of herbal tea or green tea or Ayurvedic teas. And it's my way to check in with myself, ask myself, how are you doing? Have you eaten? Are you hungry? Have you taken your supplements? Like what's your plan to take care of you today? And that really helps me create the shifts I need to create to stay healthy and balanced. It reminds me to stop and take my turmeric and my supplements. Um, So I just encourage everyone to practice tea time as me time. I love that. I love that tea time is me time. That's so cute. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you so much, uh, Dr. Shivani for coming on and sharing all of your wisdom. It was so fun to talk with you. And I feel like I could talk with you for another hour or so. So thank you. (laughs) And everyone go out there and spread your peaceful power.